We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. It's Kirk Henderson and Josh Bo coming to you after an, a rather lengthy, at least for us, all-star break. The Mavericks defeated the Spurs on Wednesday night, 115-104. to 104. They are now riding a four-game winning streak, and I think everybody should be feeling pretty good. Josh, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, yeah, it was, it's been a weird stretch, no, you know, the all-star break. The winter storm. It's been it's been weird. Like the schedule with the Mavs season. It's been it's been very quirky because uh, it's like they were playing seemingly every day, and then these last three or three to four weeks, they basically had two weeks off. Uh, so it was just kind of weird. Uh, but yeah, it's good to get back in the swing of things, and we got to be ready because there are no more breaks till the season is over. So that feeling will will soon evaporate. I mean, hell, they play tomorrow, so we're right back into it. Well, it, it, it's it's really you know really a delightful win in a game that for probably thirty six to almost maybe you know almost three full quarters, maybe a little bit more, felt really just off, felt rusty, felt I I I wasn't. Uh, you know, I was enjoying myself, but it never really felt like the Mavericks were were really playing at, at at any sort of you know comfortable level. Everything felt just a bit off, despite how Luca was closing the game, and then Kristaps Porzingis played a, a pretty probably one of his most thorough games um, of the season. But the rest of the roster was really rough at times, and and. It is sort of, I mean, it's 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 reflected in the box score to a certain degree when you're going kind of player by player. Um, the, the stalwarts of the last several games, several weeks, were a little goofy in some of their box score contributions. But then, 
you know, the, the stars shine brightest to, to be cliched as hell in the fourth quarter in the last probably, you know, six, seven minutes, Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis absolutely took over the game and the Spurs had no answer. And it was, it was nice. I, I don't feel like we've seen both of them really shut the door on a team this season. Yeah, I agree. And I think all of the weirdness of the game and the season, uh, it really evaporated when those two were on it in the fourth quarter. And it goes back to, I believe, what I said on a podcast before we left the All-Star break about how, you know, when Doncic and Przingis are playing to their level at the same time, our gripes about Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway, Maxi Kleba, Brunson, you know, whatever gripes we may have with the role players, they really don't matter. I mean, no. they still matter, but like, <laughs> this is the this is why you do that. This is why you give KP a big contract. This is why he's on the team. You, you just, when you have a top five player and a guy that plays, that can play like a top 20 player, which Kristaps clearly was tonight, 28 points, 14 rebounds on, on 28 points on 17 shots, which was also nice to see uh it it changes the whole complexion of the team and changes the dynamic like this is a game the Mavericks probably lose if we got the Kristaps we saw in you know most from you know February you know middle of January uh beginning of February um they just did because you know the wins that they were getting while KP was kind of working his way back was you know a lot of Jalen Brunson a lot of Tim Hardaway a lot of Luca. Uh, and they kind of picked up the slack. Well, you know, Hardaway had a pretty, pretty miserable game offensively. Brunson um, could not seemingly get it going in his 20 minutes. He shot the ball well, but he couldn't get a lot of attempts because uh, I think the Spurs guarded him pretty well on the ball. Um, and then Luca actually kind of had a weird scoring game. He was not very aggressive no. with his shot until maybe the second half. I think he had six points at halftime. Uh, so, like, you know, this is a game that if this happens and we're getting the KP we get, you know, on January 20th or whatever, you know, what, you know, they probably lose. So this is the benefit. You know, this is kind of the blueprint. Your two stars are playing like stars at the same time. And that papers over some of the weaknesses that you have on the rest of the roster. And you're able to beat a team that's ahead of you in the standings by 11 points at home. That's it's that's it feels like this is what should should happen more often. So let's see if they can repeat this well, to a certain extent. Well, let's talk about the KP part of the game specifically, because I'm, I'm currently engaged because I, I cannot help myself. I am you currently really engaged with, with, you know, the, the folks online who are taking a victory lap about KP's performance. And let's be clear. It's freaking awesome. He had 28 and 14, the 14 rebounds is a season high for him. The Mavericks are seven and two when he grabs ten or more rebounds. Uh, he he is he's a good offensive rebounder, and some of the fact that he doesn't get you know he had he had three. Let me see here. He had uh, four offensive rebounds this game, and that's something when you when you kind of sort his game log, four rebounds or more on the offensive side has happened just five times in mm-hmm. the twenty one games he's played. Which some of that's like a strategic decision where the Mavericks don't really and teams in the NBA really don't send guys at the offensive glass. But I feel like that's that's been a little bit of a waste opportunity. I mean, the man's seven foot three and against the Spurs, who were definitively smaller than Dallas tonight, that that played a big factor. 
he really kicked the crap out of them on, on the rebounds on the offensive side. I mean, he would get the ball like right in the middle of the key after kind of a, a longer, you know, offensive board. And, and it, at that point, the Spurs offense collapsed. Like he had one where he kicked out for a three. Uh, it was just really fun watching him do the offensive rebounding thing. And he just has stretches in this game. You know, he has just as many games. He has six games where he has zero offensive rebounds four where he has one. So he had, you know, for he, that'd be something I would love for them to figure out if, if it makes sense in the game plan for him to crash the boards offensively more. Um, uh, I thought his game around the rim, I would kind of need to see the the um, the shot clock and, and really kind of the the what do you call it? The, uh, the shot, shot chart. chart. Um, so, so let me see if I can pull his up just to kind of figure out where he was getting his looks. Yeah, yep. you look at his shot chart. He has two made threes. He has a long two at the top of the key. He has a long uh, a wing shot, and then everything else is at the rim. It is inside the restricted area where he was a force. And it's not like they were coming out of post plays. They were coming out of cuts. They were coming out of him getting offensive rebounds and putting the ball up. I mean, he was really impressive. And the Mavericks don't always use him that way, or he doesn't always play that way. I don't, I honestly can't speak to it enough to, to, to say more, but that, you know, you called it kind of the blueprint and he hasn't played this way that, that often. So for, for the, the, the friends out there who get upset with me when I kind of bag on him, I want this kind of game from him. I would love to be wrong, but we have 82 games of Chris Tapps Porzingis in a Mavericks uniform. He plays like this far less frequently than he plays the other way where he floats. And I, I don't, I don't know if that's an injury thing. It could be. He looked just much more fluid tonight. Uh, probably the most, the most fluid kind of running at the basket that I can, that I can really remember. It was, it was, I mean, it was a fun game. It was, you, you know, exactly what everybody had hoped for. And the Mavericks just don't get that often enough. Yeah. And yeah, you hit the nail on the head uh, in terms of how he played. And you talked about the four offensive rebounds. And I think what was really nice about this game, and you mentioned it a little bit there in your, in your talk, uh, the Spurs are not a big team. Yaka Pertle is the only big man they play. And I'm not joking. Um, their bench, they had Eubanks and Trey Lyles played a combined 11 minutes. Those were the only other guys you could even qualify as potentially big guys, but the only guys off their bench that played any minutes of consequence were Rudy Gay, uh, Patty Mills, and Lonnie Walker. So when, when Pirtle was on the floor, they were playing five out uh, with basically Rudy Gay at center. Uh, and what was really nice is that this was a game where, like, didn't feel like they had to drag KP into playing like he said. Like, he looked like he was seven. Like, he looked like he was seven three against the team not playing any big men for the most part, except for one guy. Like he was using his height and reach advantage to dominate. Like you said, he dominated the Spurs. Uh, he dominated them physically um, with his rebounding and with his presence around the basket. And it was just really nice because it didn't feel like the Mavericks were kind of dragging him to do that or he was dragging himself. Like he just dominated this game in a way that he should against the team that's so small. And, you know, we've seen him play against smaller teams before and he'll have maybe some good games or maybe a bad game. And it, and we're kind of like, man, you know, this other team's not even playing big. You know, what are they doing? You know, they and then they kind of force feed him post-ups because he's playing against a smaller team. And it's like, that's not necessarily what you have to do. Like, he just needs to crash the glass, dominate the glass because he's 
he's you know six inches taller than almost everyone on the court for most of the game you know except for when he's being guarded against Pirtle. Uh, and then, you know, get get to the basket with cuts and, and rim runs and things like that and moving off the ball. Like, I mean, that's when he's good. And you're right. Uh, and, you know, the whole, it's it's not crazy because I think this is, you know, this 28.14 rebound performance. You know, he was doing this in the bubble and this was kind of what he was doing in the bubble. You know, he was, you know, he was shooting maybe a little bit better from three. Like he was making more threes. But, I mean, he was he was a force off the ball and that's been not just a Mavericks thing. Like he was a really good cutter in New York as well. And I think uh, he has, he can have a first step advantage against if he's play, being played against by a traditional center. I mean, we saw it against Pirtle, you know, isolated against him against the wing and Chris Ops hit him with one crossover move, got to the basket and scored. It was kind of a funky layup, but like it's, it just demonstrated how much faster, when he is right and he's not looking like he's stuck in quicksand, he just has as goofy as an athlete as he can be sometimes, you know, in terms of his, his gait and, you know, landing on one foot and that kind of stuff, the biomechanics, he is still purely just faster than a lot of these big guys that he plays against. And he, you know, last season I thought had a really good first step to get by guys and get fouled. And that really hasn't been there most of the season because, you know, coming back from that knee surgery, you know, he's got the lowest free throw rate of his career by far. And tonight he had five free throws, which is the most he's had uh, since February 27th and February 14th. Other than that, he's been around four, two, three free throw attempts a game. So five for him is a, is a, is a pretty good night for him this season. So I, I, I feel like it's there if they want it. Now, maybe it's helpful, helped, by playing a team like San Antonio, like can he do this against a team like the Lakers? I don't know. They probably need him to shoot a little bit more since that's a bigger team, you know, stretch them out from the three-point line. But um, that's supposed to, you know, that's it. That's supposed to be, you know, that's why they got him is because he can be that kind of malleable type of player where he can spread the floor with his shooting and then he can do things like this against smaller teams that that don't try to punish him. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 nice. And the Mavericks have kind of one of these stretches coming up where we're going to see if this is real. Um, f- friend of the friend of the show, you know, Mavs draft is kind of arguing with me, talking talking about how Porzingis has been really consistent over these last, you know, 12 or so games that he's played. And I just do not agree with this because you, you, they're playing her, borderline horrendous opponents over, over that stretch. They played a Brooklyn team that was out of gas. They played an Orlando team that was eh. They played a Thunder team that was, you, I don't know what they're doing. They and you know they they there's just been games where he's he has been able to take advantage and it's for the best. That's that's exactly what you want to do within your schedule. But you know coming up out of this stretch, they play Denver, they play the Clippers twice, they play the port they play Portland twice. So if if the Mavericks were to get through this stretch and really look like they built something, I'm going to be pretty excited, particularly from KP because. It's that it's that sort of you know second tier consistency which he didn't really build up until right before All Star break last year, uh, and then played like a madman, and then had that lengthy break, and then played pretty well in the bubble. Um, he was all bubbles, you know, which people like to point out to me, and then looked pretty good in the finals. It's 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 I, you know I, I'm open to the to the suggestion that I'm being too unfair to him. I don't think I am because when you compare to what you know Luca's doing night in and night out. Uh, you know, carrying more of the load. That's that's that. But it, it's it's good. It's it's nice to see them. You know, get a win. They, 
compared to where they were a month ago, where you know things were just kind of a you know feeling like a sloppy mess. It's 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 really it, it's it's you know just nice to see something different from him. It, the the inside out aspect of his game, where he is is so confident. You know, somebody somebody uh, tweeted something to the effect of like, I love seeing like Porzingis slam like dunk the ball like he has something against the rim. It, that sort of like violence that he plays with is really, I mean, it's it's a whole team going, and they're just aspects where he, they're just entire games where he, he either doesn't get the opportunity, and I think that's a big part of it, or he doesn't play that you know that attacking style. There was a cool oop in the in the fourth where. Luca gets all the way in the rim and he has like like I think he was it was a pick and roll with Maxi where Maxi kind of dives all the way through and they just shut it down and Porzingis swings in from the far side and and you know Luca just leaves him one and that sort of that off ball movement has been missing from the Mavericks entirely for huge chunks of the year and it was great to see Porzingis be one on the executing end. Yeah, definitely, and it's not that's not a new thing from like he was a good cutter in New York like he. Yeah. Like that is something that they can bank on consistently if they can just get it out of him or if he can do it or if the team can set him up for that more. Um, it's a, that's a sustainable thing to me. Like there's nothing I saw out of his game tonight that looked like he couldn't do it more often. Now, you know, maybe like the four offensive rebounds and the 14 rebounds, you know, that probably helps, you know, you're playing a team that plays one big man. But in terms of his shot profile on offense, I mean, this is something they could repeat. It's not like he had – you know, it wasn't like that crazy game in New Orleans where he made seven three-pointers in the first quarter or something. It's like, you know, he's not that good a shooter. You know, I think he did something similar against Minnesota where he made, you know, he scored like 17 points in the first quarter. You know, it's off a lot of jumpers. Like, I don't know if he, you know, he's not, I'm not, he's not that consistent of a jump shooter, which is why I think, it, you know, with his length and height and his touch around the basket, mixing him, mixing it up like that uh, can be really beneficial for getting him some consistency. So instead of, looking at like a 15 point game, 16 point game, uh, 17 point game, and then boom, a 36 point game because he he's cashing in on all the three on all his threes all at once. You can get a steadier performance of like 22, 23, 24 points. And then you have the big blow up game as well. And it doesn't stand out as much because in the games in between that, where his three maybe isn't as consistent, uh, you're getting easier points off cuts, uh, off rim runs and 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 stuff like that near the basket, which you know I think they can I think they can get that out of him. Um, I mean, are you are you looking at some of these numbers overall? Like the Mavs out rebounded the Spurs by twenty one. <laughs> yeah, they they're bigger than this team, and they've played like it was really nice that they played like it. You know, yeah. it just doesn't happen. Maxi had seven rebounds. I feel like he has not had a lot of double you know big rebounding games in the last three games seven seven six. That's pretty good for him because he's usually around like five uh, for yeah. the season. So like that was nice. They played, they played like the bigger team. Which, how often have we felt like that after a Mavericks win? Not very well, often. You know, it, it's it's nice because they they've been so poor at closing the door, uh, and it it's it's something to see. It, it's it's really something to see. Um, the rest of the lineup was was pretty interesting. Luca kind of had one of the more weird. 22 12 and 12 triple doubles he he was kind of all over the place which was nice to see uh that they didn't need him to be an absolute superhero um and beyond that you know it, it, they got kind of contributions at, at the right time tim hardaway jr came on 
Willie Cauley-Stein played really well on the offensive part right up until he committed a really kind of scary foul. Um, Jalen Brunson looked good. It was it was a nice win. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what they do tomorrow night on, on the second half of a back-to-back where they, you know, where, where they're often um, – They've been pretty bad on back to back. Very, yeah. They they've been horrendous. Let's not. Uh, they not just like losing them all, but losing them and losing by like twenty five points. Uh, not not a lot of not a lot of fun there. Um, I will say, you know, before we leave, talking about Porzingis, the one thing you know, I think defensively he was pretty mobile and pretty active. He definitely got scored on a couple times at the rim. He kind of had a brain fart where he. He uh, left a, a wide open Keldon Johnson open for a corner three, although he was, you know, helping off a drive. Uh, but, you know, he didn't have any blocks. He didn't have any steals. But he, I mean, it felt like he forced more misses at the rim tonight than he did for a lot of stretches in January and February. I mean, he contested pretty well. And the Spurs went after him. Like, they were driving at him a lot. And when, you know, with that volume, you know, of course he's going to get scored on because, you know, you're at the basket. These are NBA players. They're, they're pretty good. Uh, so the fact that he was able to neutralize that as much as he did, especially in the second half, I thought that was a big, that was a big win. Um, he was a minus 11 in the first half and he ended a plus eight for the game. So I think that goes to show he played with a little bit more fire in that second half defensively. And I think that was, that was the key. The Spurs scored 18 points in the fourth quarter, and that's been a huge problem for the Mavericks is giving up these big giant point, you know, point totals for quarters in the second half. Well, that's actually probably something we should talk about in that, you know, somehow Luca looked like a, a, a defensive stopper in the aspects of the fourth where he, you know, no one was able to stop DeRozan. DeRozan was a beast. At one point in the game, he was – it was something seven horrifying. of seven or seven of eight, something and like that. And he finished the game 12 and 19, which feels like a real victory compared to how he was cooking guys. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was nice to just, just nice to see that it's, it's, and I'm, I'm watching the, the replay here on, on uh, NBA TV. They're showing the fourth quarter highlights and Porzingis gets one rebound, one handed under the backboard and then puts it back up. Like that's just that I, I that's stuff he hasn't done. I'm going to argue with people about this. He doesn't do this stuff. He he yeah. he had eight shots at the rim tonight, and he had 42 over the previous 11. Like the, the they have to find ways to get him there. They really really do. They don't utilize him as the role man in the pick and roll enough. I want to see more of it. Sorry, I got off on a tangent just because I saw some great plays on that. You did. That's okay. But yeah, the defense I think was was it was shaky to start, and they got better. It really it was really out out of halftime. I felt like it was it it was a it was a marketed difference. Um, but you know that was good for KP. You know, the then the only the only I mean the only real negative aside from the defense looking a little sleepwalky and the offense being like loose with the ball in the first half. I think they had like twelve turnovers in the first half, which is pretty much like what they averaged for the whole game. Uh, they cleaned that up in the second half, which was nice. Mm-hmm. But, man, I'm still waiting for it. Like, when is the regression or the progression to the mean going to happen with these open three-point open shots? Open threes? It is oh, my crazy. God. <laughs> Holy cow. I don't know what it is. And then, they I mean, they shot 13 of 40. They're 32.5%. Which is not, I mean, it's it's bad. It's not like horrifically bad, like they've had, you know, during the COVID stretch. But 
man, that a lot of those threes were open. <laughs> it's, it wasn't it wasn't like they were taking a lot of contested shots uh, from deep uh, outside of maybe you know some of Lucas' shots. It, that was that was crazy. Well, I I had a lot of fun in the fourth quarter. The game was kind of frightening for me at parts because. It feels like we haven't watched basketball in a month, and then it felt like you know watching parts of the game that the Mavericks hadn't played basketball in a month, and so that they yeah. were that they were able to extend this. I believe this is their just kind of you know glancing at the schedule. They have one, two, three. This is their third four game win streak. Uh, they play the Thunder tomorrow night at Oklahoma City, so they're probably heading up there tonight or early tomorrow morning. If they're able to notch five game win streak, I, I we oof, man talk about a turnaround um yeah thankfully that is a very short trip to oklahoma city so they're not going to be getting in and going to bed at like 4 a.m so that's nice well i'll be covering that one tomorrow night um we should have if you're you know you're probably checking this out hopefully in the morning but i know some of y'all are are fanatics and that you you stay up late and hyped and you like listening to the podcast after the game we appreciate that uh we'll have at least we'll have a, a preview for the thunder game and then we should have at least one. We we a couple of our writers turned in posts that we need to throw that we need to get up relatively soon. One on Porzingis, then one on Doncic. Interestingly enough, uh, so it should be really to the tune of of what we'd like to hear. We have uh, our, our one of our new writers, Kasim, who turned in a, a really lengthy his pitch on why the Mavericks won the the Porzingis trade. Which you know, I, probably not a better time to post it than tomorrow. Um, so other than that, Josh, you got anything before we get out of here? No, I think that's it. Uh, let's, let's get out of here and get ready for OKC tomorrow. Yeller. All right. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. This has been Kirk Henderson and, uh, who's your, what's your name? Josh Bowe. Uh, All right. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow night. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.